You're listening to Creativity Quest, hosted by me, author and writing mindset coach, Carrie Schaefer. Join me and my guests on our quest to ditch our doubts, dance with our demons, and delve into creative delight. Creativity Quest is owned and copyrighted by Authors on the Air Global Radio Network. Now, let's get creative. Creative people, Carrie Schaefer here with another episode of Creativity Quest. And today, this is going to be super fun. I was at the Romance Writers of America conference last week, and I met a very interesting individual. Now, you've, if you've not been to RWA, and it, you, you wouldn't know this. If you have been there, you definitely know. Interestingly enough, the Romance Writers Conference is largely inhabited by women. But there are, you know, a few guys floating around, and Matt was one of, you know, like maybe about three that I actually ran into, so my curiosity was struck, and we had a conversation, and I thought Matt would be an absolutely fascinating person to come on the show because he is the epitome of doing the creative thing. So, hey, Matt, thanks for being here with us today. My pleasure. Glad to come play. <laughs> yeah, play. That's what it's all about, right? I, I yep. love the creative play. So just to emphasize this, I went to um, Matt's website, which is mlbuckman.com, I believe. Is that right, Matt? Yep, which you have to always spell. Oh, ML- yeah, yeah, I do, don't I? mlbuckman.com. Otherwise you get the K and you go nowhere. Oh, yeah. Well, then you're going to get find knives and all kinds of things, I think, right? Like, Actually, I own that website, and it'll throw you over to the right one. Oh, okay. Because <laughs> I'm thinking there's like Buckman pocket knives and things. Anyway, <laughs> M, moving on. That could be a whole other rabbit hole. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, Matt, here on his uh, site, things that I found really fascinating. Well, everything was interesting, but he has this little trivia section, which includes these wonderful items. Can single hand a 50-foot sailboat. Yep. His full name, Matthew Lieber Buckman, translates as Matthew Beloved Bookman. No wonder he's a writer. <laughs> very, very good, Matt. I, why, why it took me until 35 to start writing is a different issue. <laughs> yeah, I have that story too. I mean, I started early, but it took me till way late to get serious about it. And that is something that we spend a lot of time thinking and talking about on this podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, Almost born in a taxi during one of the worst snowstorms in Pennsylvania's history. Yep. Uh, lived Art. his. Sorry, what? It was uh, until recently. It was the second worst in their entire history. Aye, aye, aye. Ambulance broke down on the bridge from New Jersey to Pennsylvania, and <laughs> a taxi was going by, and they took this old woman and put her in the am- broken ambulance. Put my mom in the taxi, and she said. I would have been born in the elevator if maternity had been on the second floor. Oh, man. Just (laughs) made it. You know, (laughs) that's awesome. That's a great story. Um, So you began your adventurous um, self at the very beginning. Yep. An adventure right out of the womb. Um, Lived his Wonder Bread years uh, in a town of 1,200 people and 10,000 head of dairy cattle. Yep. Went to college in Maine, where they really do say, you can't get there from here. I can't say that right. 
I'm Canadian. <laughs> I lived there for four years and I can't do it either. But it was said to me <laughs> by a trooper. We were lost, a bunch of college kids, and asked, <laughs> asked how to get from one beach to the next. And he said, um, can't get there from here. <laughs> and, he, and he stopped. And we're waiting. It's like, oh, my God, this isn't real. And then he said, got to go over there first. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love it. That's awesome. Yeah, we'd gone out on the wrong peninsula to find the research site for our geology department. I uh, was a live theater electrician and sound man. I'm sure there's all kinds of stories about theater. Can sing in opera area, although he's a bit out of practice. Oh, so I don't suppose we can ask you to sing for us then, huh? Uh, it's been a long time. <laughs> That's <laughs> I, stu I, I studied voice in the early 1980s because I wow. thought that was my calling, only to discover after four years of lessons that I had absolutely no innate talent it took you four years to figure that out it took me yes because my <laughs> opera teacher kept saying well if you just keep trying harder oh okay not so much <laughs> all right so for which then i really love the next part of this has proved he's incompetent on a wide variety of musical instruments including piano drums guitar banjo flute fiddle and didgeridoo <laughs> yes to all of those. I <laughs> desperately wanted to make music all my life. Turns out I'm slightly tone deaf, which I didn't realize till later. Uh -huh. And uh, I always sling a quarter tone flat, except opera, because I had to learn by rote how to sing properly. And um, that's how I ended up being a theater sound man. Most theater sound men are frustrated musicians. <laughs> well, you know, I didn't... I did, I did not know that, but I love that you've explored all of this. Um, also a Taekwondo black belt, can do yep. the Vulcan hand sign thing, but not with your toes. Right. And also a quilter. So I think, you know, as you can hear from this list, this guy has explored his creativity from day one and somehow has landed on not only writing, but, well, it's no surprise that Matt also explores a wide genre in his writing. So he has written thrillers, military romantic suspense, contemporary romance, fantasy and sci-fi, nonfiction. We're going to talk about the new books coming out here in just a minute, but Matt, you actually, one of those ties in. So let's do that right now. Do you want to talk a little bit how you actually got started writing and the connection to your um, memoir that's coming out in October. Yeah, it's, it's a strange and convoluted tale. I had spent uh, about 15 years being a massive workaholic. I mean, 100-hour weeks while I was remodeling the house I was living in, insanity. You know, somehow I'm not and, surprised by this. I'm, <laughs> I'm, get, yeah. I'm getting the, the driven sort of thing from you, either towards your creativity or whatever you might be doing. <laughs> it, it doesn't matter what I'm doing. I do it full tilt. Right. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I, I eventually, finally, completely burned out, lost everything to a business partner with a different definition of the word integrity than mine. Ah. And so I lost the house and the career and the job and the business, and it was just like, huh, so what do I do now? And I wandered around for a while trying to figure out what to do. And 
suddenly I had this idea of, well, I could go around the world on a bicycle. Which, <laughs> sure. That's, that's everybody's sure. solution to, you know, a, a disastrous state of affairs. Like, well, all it takes is really losing everything for something like that to actually make sense. And <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, you know, for me, I won't get on a bicycle if it involves a road. So, <laughs> right. But what happened was at that moment, I looked back and realized that over the prior, well, I, I started bicycle commuting to high school to get out of being bullied on the school bus. Mm. And then it became how I commuted to work. And then it became what my friends and I did on the few weekends I actually took off. And then I built up over longer and longer rides to where I did three weeks of self-contained touring at one point. So when I finally uh, was walking along and had the idea because of a bicycle that almost clipped me on a walking path, it was like, huh, that kind of makes sense. And so I got <laughs> rid of the stuff I hadn't lost and I got on a bicycle and I, I headed west. And so there I was being just way off the map. I went from Seattle to LA as a warm up, rode through Japan, Korea, across the Australian outback, up through Indonesia, India, Singapore was in there, Israel, Eastern Europe, and over to France. Took me about 18 months, but somewhere along the way, actually, I know the actual day because it's in my journal. Um, on July 22nd on a plane from Korea, South Korea to the Australian outback, I was writing a little vignette in my journal about, cause I kept a journal of the whole trip, hoping someday I'd find the skill to write the story of the trip. Uh huh. And it was a little vignette about my freshman roommate who killed alarm clocks. He literally did. He hated it. So he would wake up in full swing and they'd splat into the wall of our room and they'd trickle down the wall and he'd put it back together for the next morning. <laughs> uh, and um, it turned into the opening of my first book. It just, I'd never written fiction except, you know, the, the mandatory, everybody has to take a, you know, one weekend college class to prove that they have no ability to write fiction. <laughs> right. And it, I wrote this book. It, it consumed me so that everywhere I stopped, they would, people would find me over in the corner working on this book. And I wrote it across nine months from Korea to Greece while I was touring the world. And that then went on to become my first fiction sale, which was cookbook from hell. Cookbook from hell. What, what genre was that? It's a fantasy, and it's about the devil having a midlife crisis. Oh. Uh, she's basically sick of cleaning up after God for four billion years. Uh -huh. And in the, before she can like really settle into a state of proper self-pity, you know, because that's where I was on that trip, um, a Buddhist-hungry ghost steals the software that runs the universe. <laughs> <laughs> it all kind of went to hell from there. Okay, yeah. wait, wait, wait. What's this called? I have to read this. What's this called again? Cookbook from Hell. Cookbook from and Hell. This is right up my alley. Um, yeah, it's yeah. Cookbook from Hell reheated, actually, because the first book had very first book writing in it. Uh-huh. And so a 
years later, I redrafted it. So it's a much, much more readable book now. <laughs> right. You know, I'm just kind of in the middle of doing that a little bit right now. I have a, as Carrie Schaefer, not Carrie Ann King, who doesn't get to write anything's quite that weirdly fun. I'm um, actually revamping uh, some novellas that I did back a few years ago. And, mm -hmm. you know, it's kind of fun to go back and go, oh, well, I could make those a little bit better now. <laughs> yeah. 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 And then when you've got 30 or 40 books under your belt, then you start <laughs> looking at those first books. Trust me, don't go back. Yeah. It's yeah. It's really I, hard. It's I, really I'm sure, hard. I'm sure it is. So, you know, I'm, I'm, I love that the writing bug, when it hit you, hit you so hard. Just yes. bam out of the sky. I'm, I'm a big fan of um, Big Magic. Have you read that by any chance? Uh, uh Elizabeth Gilbert. Um, oh, no. No, yeah. I just read one from her. Right. So the book is Big Magic, and, you know, she has this whole section on ideas and that there are – she thinks of them as living things that are out there floating around looking for the right person to connect with. <laughs> and if it hits you and you choose to engage with it, then, you know, essentially magic happens, which – Sounds like kind of was, well, this sounds like it was a transformative thing for you in some way. It really was. It really was. And um, it was the weird thing about bicycle touring. Not only did I end up being solo for almost all of it, but even the few times I was riding with someone, um, the moment you kick the pedal high, you're alone. Right. And so it didn't matter if I if there was another rider 20 feet away, we couldn't talk because we're riding along roads. So you're going single file. Right. And so I got third, got to think about every decision I'd made for 35 years and every decision I didn't want to make for the next 35. So the gift of the trip wasn't all the amazing places I went. It was the gift of time to, to think about myself. And that's the story that I finally captured after four complete drafts, and these are 100,000-word book that I've thrown out completely three times. Uh-huh. And the fourth time, I actually just finished Midlife Crisis on Wheels, A Bicycle Journey Around the World. And that's coming out in October, and it's the, the recounting of how I grew and evolved and thought and met amazing people and went to really cool places. Right. So it's taken you how many years now to actually, you know, write the midlife crisis on wheels? How long ago was it that? 26. 26. Wow. And so the, it's just I been waiting and biding its time until the right moment. And now here it is. Yep. Yep. And, you know, tying this back into creativity, I look back at everything's clear in hindsight, right? Never as you're doing. It. Oh, yeah. So. <laughs> You know, I look back at before I went on the trip, I was in high-end, crazy corporate America, computer consulting. Um, this is before I lost everything. But it was, you know, the early days of IT. We hadn't even called it IT yet. And um, so I was working with all this stuff, but I was designing and developing things that didn't exist yet. I was building the biggest net, the second biggest network in the Pacific Northwest. And so I was reading a lot on creativity. And if you want a fun book that Elizabeth Gilbert probably took a fair amount from consciously or not, 
is the magic of thinking big. Uh, magic of thinking big. Okay. Yeah. And I, I read, there's probably two years where I, I read almost exclusively on creativity because I was trying to think up things that hadn't existed yet. <laughs> and so what it set for me was the, the idea that no idea is too weird and no, nothing is too strange. You can actually do anything you set your mind to. And I absolutely love that. I think that should be on every writer's screensaver pillow tattooed on our foreheads. No idea is too weird. I, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I wrote the way I got into writing romance. Was, yeah, yeah. Let's talk about that because that is an interesting choice for a guy who likes to write military and thrillers and things. Right. So I wrote a, being an author, the la you're the last person to know what you wrote. So I wrote this book. I was very proud of it. And I started sending it around. I got the normal 30 or 40 rejections. And um, then one day the phone rang and I answered it. And the person on the other end said, I want this book. It's like, okay. Yay. <laughs> That's what you want to hear. Oh, yeah. And, um, the thing was that she had a five-page excerpt and a one-page synopsis. She said, so tell me about this book. So I told her about it. She'd made the call on page three, so she hadn't gotten to the one-page synopsis. <laughs> and she said, that's a thriller. And I was like, okay, so now I know what I've written. <laughs> and she said, I only buy romances. And I said, okay. And there's this long pause. <laughs> and we talked for about an hour and a half about what made a romance a romance and a thriller a thriller. And I said, well, let me give it a try. And so I threw out 40,000 words, redrafted it over the next 10 days, and I sent it back. And she said, I thought you were going to revise this. I said, that's what you're holding. And she read it overnight. I cost her a night's sleep. And she called me back and said, oh, my God, you're so close. <laughs> <laughs> and so we talked some more and I ripped out another 10,000 words and sent it back. And um, she bought a four book series and eventually bought 13 titles. Wow. And that's actually how I became ML Buckman. My first books were all under Matthew Lieber. Uh, okay. But we weren't sure if in 2012, the women romance writers were willing to buy from a male novelist. Mm-hmm. And I can't tell you how many fan mails I used to get of I, it started. I never would have picked this up if I'd known you were male. I'm so glad I did. Right. You know, it's interesting that I just have to think about this for a minute. That, that goes both ways. You know, I have friends um, who are women and write science fiction. And they who, have to hide. Who are trying to hide the fact that they're women. Right. Yes. It's very, yes. it's a sad thing. It's but. because people are idiots. Yes. <laughs> Sorry, it's true. <laughs> we, we can't accept that somebody is allowed to express themselves in what they're interested in. Yeah. And that, that's such a broken image. Well, you know, we do it to ourselves as writers, too, I think. Uh, you know, there's that self-limiting thing that gets in the way of many people's creativity. I see this a lot uh, as, a, as a coach and a, you know, a writer mindset uh, person. <laughs> uh, 
um, people get caught into this. I can only write this one thing or I, I can't write anything bigger than this or even the I can't really write anything, you know, which keeps a lot of people from getting started. And it's not really. Yeah. For, for yourself, that's a whole different challenge. It's for people who consume that it just makes me crazy because I, <laughs> I just watch it in so many different areas. I watched women being chased out of IT. I watch, you know, just, it's just so wrong. Right. But the, the challenge of finding the creative self and of trusting the creative self, that's my, it took my wife years of telling me I was creative. Mind you, I had designed and built two houses. I built a dozen computer systems. By then I'd written 20 of my 60 novels and I was getting into short stories, of which I now have a hundred. And she said, you can't believe that you're not creative. And it's like, well, actually I do. Right. And it took me a long time to trace back to, I'd been told since I was a little kid that I wasn't creative. Right. And that's usually where it starts. Somewhere, somewhere back there when we're little people, somebody plants that belief system and we spend our whole lives listening to that. And uh, I'm so glad you got free because you've got so much interesting stuff going on. So we have to make sure that we talk about now. So you've been writing the military romantic suspense, but you've got something else coming up that steps out of that now into a whole new genre for you after everything you've been doing. So do you want to talk about your techno thriller that's coming up? Yeah. The, the weird thing is, as a writer, is trying to discover as I said, what you write, you know, it's the last thing we know being the writer. And so I'm always exploring. I'm always pushing out and seeing what's new in my voice and my writing voice. And so I, at one point I went from writing military romantic suspense and I pushed over to contemporary romance because I love reading contemporary romance. It's just, I'm a happy ever after guy all the way to the core. And I was raised on MGM musicals and Broadway shows. What can I say? What can you say? <laughs> and um, I went over to contemporary romance and they're lovely and they get very high ratings. Same, same kind of ratings my military mom does. But I sell about half as many. Whereas huh. when I'm writing the military romance, I have a very solid audience. And so I started, I took all of my reviews I had somebody go out and sweep all my reviews for me and we threw them into a word cloud to see what I was writing that was catching people's attention. And there the words thriller and suspense and excitement and action. And there are all of these thriller words. And so I sat there and went, gee, what did that initial editor say to me about that first book? That's a thriller. So allowing myself to creatively question the box I had built for myself, granted a very comfortable one. I've been a full-time writer <laughs> for six years now, so I'm very happy. Right. Um, seven years. Um, I went and I started questioning that box, which is how I think you generate creativity. Yeah, I think you have to. You know, you you see, it's it's very. I've I've had authors. I will not mention any names who I you know loved and read all of their books, and then you know somewhere down the road, they just keep writing the same thing. Yes. And there's yeah. nothing new. 
And I, I love that you're pushing your, pushing your limits, stepping out of the box and exploring something different. That's absolutely fantastic. Keeps things yeah. and fresh. So I decided to take the risk and, you know, I'm, I have a lot of books out, but I haven't, you know, broken out past making a nice living. Mm -hmm. I'm not New York Times bestseller. I'm not USA Today bestseller. I'm making a really nice mid-list living, but I need to keep that income coming in. Right. And, but I'm taking a risk and I'm stepping over to try pure thriller. And I can't begin to tell you how much fun it was to write that. It's called Drone. It's coming out in November, and it's a pure military techno thriller. Uh, it's a Miranda Chase NTSB thriller, which is um, so it's a woman in the lead of a National Transportation Safety Board team who is gets stuck in the middle of a military power struggle when she's brought in to investigate a military crash. And the challenge of writing that was huge because it's thrillers are incredibly tough to write. They are. <laughs> I know I'm, I'm drawn to the genre. I read them all the time, but you know, when I think about sitting down to actually write one, I'm like, mm, all that research. <laughs> yeah. All that re I, but I'm a research hound. I research an hour for every two and a half hours of writing I do. And I always uh -huh. have. Okay. Yeah. Um, and but to, to go and look for where is my creative strength is really what it came down to. Well, and th that's the other thing. I have to say, you know, a lot of us avoid reviews as, like as much as possible. I, you know, like, well, yeah, me, I am pointing at myself. I just kind of don't look at them very much. I don't either. But the idea of taking all the reviews and turning them into something positive like that to find where your strengths are and what everybody really loves about your work, that's brilliant. That's, that's creative brilliance right there, my friend. I, <laughs> I love that. I never thought about it. I just, it was like, oh, well, there's something. Let's try that. Yeah. Yeah. So are you going to be with the thriller? Do you, are you changing your name again? Or are you going to be no. ML or Matt or? No, my theory on that is that <laughs> After not going to conferences for about a decade, I went to RWA National in San Diego, which would be about four years ago. And I had made this cute little catalog of all of my titles because I had a signing and I figured I'd give each person who came up my cute little trifold catalog. <laughs> right. And the first person who came up to my desk, the very first one said, I've read everything you've ever written. And I was like, being an idiot, I pulled out my little catalog and I said, are you sure? And, I, <laughs> and she looked at the little catalog and she said, yes. <laughs> I was like, okay, that's across four genres. Right. And at a romance conference. And so right. the next person came up and said exactly the same line. And yeah. this time I learned, I do learn eventually. I said, would you like to double check? This is my new catalog. And she looked at it all and she said, yes, though the science fiction one, of which I haven't sold many, it's an odd book. Um, <laughs> the science fiction one, I really didn't grab me. And it was like, oh my God, <laughs> these are readers who are reading for my voice. Right. They're reading across any genre. They love what I write and they're going from fantasy to science fiction, to romance, to contemporary romance, to 
and I have some thrillers. I have a dead chef thriller series. Uh-huh. It's about chefs dying on air. It's a, they're foodie thrillers. <laughs> and they're, they're just a romp. They're just fun. Uh, but they're reading across all those. Why would I use a different pen name? Right. And I totally, honestly, I'm with you. I have a pen name because it was a condition of my contract when I started writing women's fiction um, because they were worried about readers not following across genres. And, you know, I've found it, I believe, limiting because I think that I have a lot of readers that would very happily read both, you know. Um, So start start doing a writing as. Yeah, I I do that a lot. Yeah, I put that out there as much <laughs> as much as possible because I I don't know. I mean, as a reader, I read everything. I'm not limited to one genre. If mm-hmm. if I like a voice, if I like the characters, I don't care what genre it is. Now, what you have to do across as many titles as I've got is you've got a brand. So I have I've been working for years on getting my branding clean. So you can look at my covers. And without the fact that it says thriller or romance right on the front, you can see, oh, that's a fantasy. Oh, that's a thriller. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's a romance. Right. And um, so that way you aren't breaking reader expectations. Because if the reader comes in with an expectation and you break that, that's a whole different issue. Right. That doesn't go well. (laughs) But um, I, and let me tell you how much I had to learn about cover design to do that. So are you doing your own covers then? Is, is, yes. is your work indie then now or are I you? Have, I have 13 titles that came out through uh, publication, through traditional publication. Mm-hmm. By the time she bought the first four books, I already had six or eight books up indie. And then I started releasing indie in that world underneath the traditional books to build my career. Uh huh. And so she ended up buying 13 books. 2012 to 2015 is when they came out. I'm now hundred percent indie. Right. So they still hold the rights on those 13. Right. Well, and you know, that, that's a really another creative venture. I find we could we could talk about your creative creative stuff forever today, which <laughs> we're gonna have to stop here in a minute. But um, because doing independent publishing is is a whole another creative aspect to to the work because you get to be involved in your own cover design and all of your marketing. All of us get to do marketing now, but um, all of that stuff is under your artistic control. So. It's, it's a whole different, different it is. And the, place to play, right? Yeah, and it keeps expanding. It keeps changing and growing. Uh, the, the world we're in now is not the world of 2011 or the world of 2015. And frankly, in the next three years, it won't be the world of 2019. No, not at all. Um, we're far from a stabilized industry. And so I often think of it as a dance. It's you, you keep tapping lightly. And going, oh, that works. Oh, that didn't. Oh, that <laughs> works. Oh, and you know, that's that's we keep throwing out this word creativity until it feels like it's meaningless, but it's not, right? Because it's if we cut ourselves off, if we make a decision of, oh, that's the way it is, right there, you've killed creativity. You've killed your opportunity to find future, to leverage future, to move on to the next step. 
by just going, oh, that's how that works. Right. I, I almost see, you know, one of, one of the, I mean, we could try and define creativity forever and there are a ton of definitions out of there, but I think one of the most important things for writers, um, indie or traditional or both, whatever in this world is that openness and, and the willingness to play and to take risks and to not get bogged down in the results if they're not what you were looking for, but then to continue to be open and to play. And mm -hmm. That's, that's what I keep hearing from you and what I found uh, so very attractive when we talked is, is that life philosophy. Yeah, one of my favorite proverbs is a Japanese proverb of fall down seven times, get up eight. Right, exactly. I, I yeah. love that. Uh-huh, fall down seven times, get up eight. <laughs> yes. Well, you, just, you keep learning and... Right, you know, which, you, which you never do if you're not willing to make a mistake. Or to, right. you know, I have a whole, I have a book that has a whole page that I've written in of, of failure quotes, that failure is your friend, and, <laughs> you know, I, I have this story I always remember that's my, sort of my, uh, my touch mark for that. My brother, when we were teenagers, well, and well past that, my whole family was into water skiing. Me, not so much. I, it was like a family religion. Kind of, I was bribed to convert by my father. He actually paid me to learn how, but I was never really that into it. My brother, on the other hand, was totally into slalom skiing, and he would do these, you know, like lean so far over into the water um, to see if he could touch his shoulder and not fall. And kind of one thing he said to me once is if, you know, if I'm not falling, I know I'm not trying. Mm -hmm. And I've, I've remembered that all these years and I, I kind of, that's my thing that I hold on to when I, when I'm writing as well, you know, if I'm not making some mistakes, if I'm not doing a draft that's messy and throwing away a whole bunch of words, probably I'm not taking any risks or experimenting or exploring. So yeah. yeah. And I, I love that your whole life has been built around that ever since you went on your made sense to you bicycle ride. And, uh, oh no, it was built around that long before. <laughs> long before that so it's the books that are coming out for Matt and you can look under um, ML Buckman B-U-C-H-M-A-N to find all of these awesome books but the new ones that are coming out is the crisis midlife crisis on wheels which is the memoir uh, yep. coming out in October and then the thriller is called drone is that correct Drone, like the little things that fly up in the sky. Right, exactly. And that is coming out in November. So yep. I encourage you to go look for those things. Um, thanks again for being here, Matt. It was awesome getting to talk to you and uh, find out a little oh. more about all your adventures. Oh, My quilting. Pleasure. I never asked. I have to ask about quilting. <laughs> Quickly <laughs> before wife. we go. <laughs> That's my wife's fault completely. She's, an, she's a massive knitter, and um, she also used to quilt quite a bit. And so we've made this family quilt where my, she and my stepkid hand-dyed all the cloth, and then the kid and I, we cut it out, and we designed the quilt, and we all sewed it together. And it was just this real family bonding experience which I thought was kind of cool. Yeah. But I have this geeky engineering side, obviously, <laughs> and that geeky engineering side loves the math of quilting. 
and the geometry of quilting and the way the pieces come together and the way they interact and the way the colors interact. And by like three quilts later, my wife said, okay, I'm now just the knitter. You're the quilter. <laughs> Back away because I'm just like going out into these gonzo places and she just loves watching me do it. And she gives me a hand with a tricky bit still sometimes, but it's a way to get my brain out of the keyboard. I mean, I, I write seven days a week, right? Half the day is writing. Half the day is my business, except when the business is really busy, then the night is business too. Mm -hmm. uh, except for the time I take off to spend with the family. Right. But the, every now and then I kind of get overloaded and I have to sort of remember there's this other world and I go out and I quilt. Right. Well, and it's so important to have an outlet that I think, um, no matter what it is, you know, for writers, it might be music, it could be taking a walk or hanging out with your animals or gardening or just having something where you can take a step something. back, let your let yourself regenerate and recharge and your brain catch up with all the words you've written. And, um, and also get a different kind of input. Mm-hmm. Right. Because exactly. if we sit sitting at the keyboard, you're getting one kind of input and most of it's yourself. Right, right. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and you do need input from other places, even those of yep. us who are introverts. Okay. All right. Well, thank you I so much. I Matt. haven't done a quilting series yet, but it's in there somewhere. Oh, that would make a great cozy mystery, I'm yep. sure. <laughs> mystery is the only one I don't write. And the reason is I don't read it. Ah, well, there you go. Very but good I, reason. I read everything else. Yeah. <laughs> and, and write what you read. Yep. Okay. All right. We're going to go. Thank you so much, Matt, for being here. I love this conversation. For those of you who are listening, you know what comes next. It's your turn. Go do something creative. Absolutely. <laughs>